Introducing Julia and Julia introducing Brian. Brian Nankervis and Julia Zamiro, the host, the dual hosts of the classic and cult Australian rock music trivia show Rock Wiz, aired on SBS for nearly 20 years, I think over 400 episodes, and now having a season on Foxtel or Binge if you have that. They are MCs extraordinaire, the consummate pros. And that is the theme of today's Speak All Up podcast episode. We're talking MCs. It's a topic dear to my heart. I'm an MC myself. You can book me, Tony, at tonywilson.com.au. Or you can go through ICMI that have managed me for 20 odd years myself. This episode was a lot of fun to record. I visited Brian's house in Balaclava and got Julia on the line. She's all the way up in Barrel at the moment, the girl from Barrel. And in the back half of the episode, I have a little indulgence, a surprise guest. You may have heard his voice in earlier eps. My son, Jack, who has cerebral palsy, he was the voice of many of my green skin and purple skin avocados ads back in the first year or two of the podcast. Well, he's been angling to get back on, and he is back on because Jack, my now 12-year-old, is a very keen MC himself. Loves stage banter when he plays with the two-man Play-Doh band. You can see their gigs on my personal blog, Good One Wilson. He also loves MCing birthdays around the house. He'll just take over and make everyone in the room give a speech. So Jack loves it, and he loves watching Julia and Brian in action as well. So this was a bit of a thrill for him coming on in the second half to chat. I didn't have room for all of Jack's questions, so if you want the extra material, I'll cut that out and post it as bonus materials 
at news.spicola.com and also in the Patreon feed, in the subscriber-only Patreon feed. So join up to Speakola, support us in some way, news.speakola.com or patreon.com forward slash Speakola. Appreciate everyone who is helping this thing keep going. And to round out the self-promotion, I think it's about December 11 when this one gets posted. We can sneak in some book postage. If you want a children's book sent your way or a 1989 The Great Grand Final, go to TonyWilsonAuthor.com and order a book and I'll express post it your way for Christmas. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields. If you lay down with dogs, you get fleas. Fraud, sham and hypocrisy. Change within the system. The hollow man of anger and bitterness all must be left to a bygone age. I understand victory! I understand sacrifice! Speak over. I may not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. Speak over. Well, may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the government yet. Tony Wilson. Welcome to the Speakola podcast and a special day, an exciting day for me because professionally speaking, this is what I do. I am an MC. And so I had to one day do an episode about MCs and I thought, where are the best two MCs on the planet who do a MC double act? And it is Julia Zamiro and Brian Nankervis from Rockwiz and they are our special guests today. Welcome. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, I thought just because this is your gig, and I've given you no pre-warning of this, what about giving me an intro to this episode with all your MC chops on? Can you give us a a welcome to episode 52 of Speak Ola? Go, Brian. You're, you're first. All right, friends out there in whatever land you are in, episode 52 of Speak Ola is coming at you right now. My name is Brian Nankervis, and I am delighted to be joined by the one, the only, dot, 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 the spectacularly fabulous, the pride of barrel, Julia Zamiro. Oh, and I would say something like, well, good evening, everyone. Look, I'm absolutely delighted to be swapping the sticky carpet of the Esplanade Hotel where I would usually film Rockwiz for this extraordinary warm library filled with books and interesting artwork on the wall where I've got two charming gentlemen that I'll be uh, entertaining uh, throughout the evening. It's the gorgeous Tony Wilson and the incomparable Brian Ankervis. Yes. Julia Zamiro. And did you notice, Tony Wilson, that neither of us said ladies and gentlemen? Well, this is a this is a, a new phase of emceeing where that's going out the window. How do you how do you cope with it? Uh, folks. Folks, uh, yes. Patrons? Yeah. Friends? What's, what's Julia beca- and I spend quite a lot of time, don't we, Julia, saying, okay, let's try and work that out of our game because obviously not everyone is a lady or a gentleman, but yeah. it's very hard. But the thing is, it's funny, I I feel like I've never really said it, though, gen- generally. Like I'll usually say, hi, everyone, I'm a bit more relaxed 
Yes. But it's very formal. If it's a very formal event, like I once did an event for President Macron and Malcolm Turnbull. Um, I, I, I didn't like being paid the money for it, so I donated it to charity, but I just wanted to meet President Macron. And in there, when you've got something that specific and that formal, there's a whole bunch of stuff you have to read anyway that's kind of protocol. But I just feel like, I don't know, I just feel like, ladies and gentlemen, it feels so formal, whereas you and I try and get a bit relaxed. Bryza, we want to yes. go, hey, folks, guys yes. is out. I can't, I've never liked saying guys. Hey, guys. It just sounds so stupid. But, um, yeah, hey, everyone, friends. Well, I can't take – I've got to get more about the Macron uh, yes. event. Tell us about Come this on. one. So Bury the I was going to ask you generally about your, your ability to – sprinkle french and we all use all our best tricks with emceeing and, and language is one of your great tricks julia but tell me what did you crank out in the french department for president macron himself well here's the thing i was asked to do it because i had both languages so i did a bit of both and i guess it was a, an opportunity for the australian people to go oh we do have french speakers here it was very Look, it was very formal. It was in um, the back part of the opera house that looks out onto the water. There was only, I don't know, 150 people there, you know, your Penny Wong through to your Julie Bishops and et cetera. And it was towards the end of Malcolm Turnbull's reign and he looked tired and crumpled in his suit. And Macron was full of beans. He was full of beans, ready to go, quite charming, uh, got a selfie with him, chatted through from the podium, kept it very relaxed, and his entourage kept coming up and saying to me in French, but it is so relaxed. You are so relaxed. Yeah. And I think they were maybe not used to that. But I do use French sometimes to shut up a room of non-French speakers. Like if there's a lot of people and people are talking, I'll just start talking in French in the microphone and eventually people go, well, where's that coming from? And that's a good way to shut them up. Well, I was going to ask about the magic glass because I often call on the glass, you know, the uh, – or I can't get oh. good dingage out of this oh, one. Oh, yes, but, the um, magic, yes. Ding, you, ding, ding. Do you use that, that one? What, what's your well, shut-up trick, Brian? My shut-up trick is loud music, invariably Booker T and the MGs and Green Onions. <laughs> Occasionally I will stroll towards Fatboy Slim and Praise You. Mm. I get people hand-clapping. I find someone down the front who I will take up on stage with me. I might get them to perform a magic trick. I might get them to do a uh, true or false or or perhaps a little poem. But yes, it's really hard. The tapping on the glass, I've I've used that before, but I find that if you're at a dinner, everyone thinks that they're helping by doing it themselves. They all do it. Yeah, it becomes oh. a bit of a, a glass symphony if you do call for one. But that does get people... Yes, that's true. I have watched Julia Zamiro with her French language, and, and she can roll into a number of languages, but there is something about an audience, they melt. <laughs> they are intrigued, they're seduced, they know she's flirting, they know she perhaps is going beyond a, a flirt into yes. uh, something a little bit stronger. But <laughs> I love it. More French. And yes. you can just see people, are, cause, because most of them c cannot do what she is doing. 
Well, if you want to see a little bit of Julia in French action, if you, if you haven't seen it, we have a few international lis- listeners, um, you'd sing Love is in the Air. You look up Julia yes. singing yeah. Love is in the Air in French on YouTube. That will yeah. melt you on as well. Quiz. Yeah, that was good fun. That was good fun. But I think too, what I think what Brian has, it's so extraordinary though in terms of a hosting and shutting up a room, is just genuine engagement with them that they literally cannot, they cannot not pay attention. You, Brian, you garner a kind of a, like a kind of a magic or something, like a spell where you're like the Pied Piper and I genuinely believe when I see an audience in his thrall, it's like we all do want to be led. We want to be led in fun and we adults just don't have fun anymore. You, you mentioned just offhandedly there a magic trick. Give us an example of one you've done <laughs> recently of the actual joke or the actual trick or the actual dance. What have you had people doing in recent well, times? Well, I did one very, very recently. I compared, I emceed a parent-child trivia night at Melbourne Grammar, Aww. here in Melbourne Grammar. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. And I've done it for, I think, about five years in a row. It used to be father and sons, but again, times have changed. So it's great. We have mums, we have daughters there. And I think I got a chap called Riley, who I was talking to the whole audience. He had his back to me and he kept talking to the table. Everyone in the room realised that Riley uh, had no idea what was happening. They were all laughing at him. You've got to be careful of that. Yes. I got him up on stage and I simply did my magic finger trick, which is to transfer one finger from one hand onto the other hand. Thank you, amazing Jonathan. <laughs> and so I do it and I've, I can do it reasonably well and then I get rid of, you know, two fingers end up on one hand and then we, we hit under the elbow, they fly through the air and they come back as to where they started. Riley could not get his head around it. He kept trying, and by about the sixth try, the room was in hysterics. Riley was almost on the edge of perhaps uh, punching me in the face. But um, how old Riley? Oh, Riley was a you know early early to mid forties, but he was okay. But it actually brought there was a gig about two weeks earlier for interestingly enough a group of Australian security um, you know you do so many you get confused is this Dulux paints tonight or are these, <laughs> or are these people accountants anyway it was a mob of security people and there was a guy down the front who wasn't happy and I should have left him alone and I didn't. <laughs> And I, I, I sort of blew about I, – I reckon I lost them for 10 minutes. He was angry. The room at first thought it was hilarious but then was scared that he was going to, you know, lay me out with a haymaker. So you've got to be careful. Oh, it's a very dangerous occupation. Uh, what about you? You ask on Rockwiz, you always ask first album, first concert questions. Yes. I was going to ask first MC you remember. Someone you saw handle the microphone and go, oh, that is amazing. I'm enjoying that. I'll go first because I reckon it was Rod Quantock, perhaps. It certainly would have been someone at the last laugh. I mean, I taught for three years, so I suppose there were various teachers, but Rod Quantock had the most amazing ability to be witty, charming, 
hilarious, all at the same time, he would take you down paths you never thought you would go down. And I reckon Rod, and maybe doing one of his bus tours. Yeah, that, that'd that be mine. What about you, Julia? Well, we had lots of different MCs here in, I mean, ones at school you don't even remember because they weren't good, like I can't even tell you. But um, but I remember theatre sports here in Sydney, we had many compares and for some reason the main compare can't come up. I mean, Denton was involved, Andrew Denton was involved, but I remember him MCing because it's such a thankless job, I think a lot of them thought. But Simon Rogers is MC of Theatre Sports in Melbourne, I really clearly yes. remember. Just so funny, so witty, able to enjoy the night without having to be an improviser, very happy to host, which often doesn't happen. And then, of course, I'd have to morph it into the first female MC I really remember seeing, which was Wendy Harmer on The Big Gig. And she was already a stand-up and had so much great material, but it also had the guts to get up there and do it. And, yeah, so she would be, that would be my two. And Wendy, of course, a Speak Ola podcast of previous course. guest. Great oh. episode with Wendy. If you want to hear her Kerry Packer story, I highly recommend that one. Wow. What about, you both mentioned comedians there in in your influences or early sightings of MCs. How different is it to being a straight comic? And do you see some straight comics who, who really can't do it? Might be a brilliant comedian but can't do the MC role, what what does it require? Does, does it require a sacrificial element that comedy oh, doesn't have? I'll tell you exactly what it requires in my understanding and my friend Brian A. Curvis has lashings of it, is stand-up comedians are terrible MCs because they've got no longevity or patience and it's all about them. There, I've said it. I love stand-up <laughs> comedians. I think they're amazing. I've never done it myself because I think it's really, really difficult and I, I, I think I can think of nothing more terrifying, whereas improvising I quite enjoy. But um, but there's a certain amount of ego involved with being a stand-up and plus they've got jokes to place. So I get it. They can't not, you know, they don't want to be interrupted too much, whatever, but they don't have the longevity of a night of an awards ceremony that goes from 7 p.m. But, of course, it's not when you hit the stage. It's actually at 5 p.m. when you turned up and for two hours you're managing the expectations of the client who's thinking you're just not going to be able to do it. And, of course, by the end they'll love it, but you know you've got to manage them for two hours and then you start the gig at 7 and then halfway through there's something wrong and then it all picks up again and at the end they love you. But it's been like it's been a six-hour marathon, and it's that patience of that. And also, a good MC doesn't have to be funny all the time because sometimes it's actually just about managing the night. And I quite enjoy that. I mean, I should have been a parent. I mean, I quite enjoy managing <laughs> that kind of thing. And that's the boring part, but it's what you get paid for because it's 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 like being a parent at a birthday party. Yeah. And, and I guess. How much work do you do in writing specific bits? If you're doing the lighting awards, do you want to have some lighting stuff? Like you'll spend half a day during the week trying to sort of think of a joke, I guess, or a, or a picture you've got of yourself amongst a whole lot of lights or do you do all that sort of business or do you tend to do so many of these, it's get their script and, and improvise? I always ask them for a script of bullet points of everything they want mentioned and thanked and done, and then I'll juliify it if you like. But I'm also finding more and more now there's not much time for you to do extra stuff because they really want you to get on with it and people want to network and so you really you really are just managing traffic. But I also think that what I've discovered with me is that 
I'm not very funny to start with, so I start off, right, and I don't have a lot of material and I've tried to get writers to write for me but I haven't quite got around to it. Anyway, I start off and I think people go, oh, okay, yeah, that, was, yeah, that, was, that was interesting. But through the night I get stronger and stronger because I'm using different people and I'm talking to the CEO, we're having fun, and then I do callbacks with things. That's when I take off. So by the end of the night, it, it's worked, but I always feel like at the beginning they'll be like, oh, it's not what I thought it would be, and then I pick it up later. So, look, I just I should come up with some bloody hilarious things at the top, but I I just don't. I'm a bit of a soft starter. You you'd actually told me recently, Julia, that you do have a technique. There's one thing you've, you've started to do for your comparing jobs. Mm. Is it when you send them to a break or is it when you... I mean, I've got little tricks like that where... Yes. What was the trick? Because I remember thinking, wow, that is really, really good. Now I can't remember. I mean, I improvise a lot of it too. I've got to be honest sometimes. It's just... Yeah. But it's the mucking around with people and the kind of, I don't know, getting into their spirit because sometimes they're quite boring nights and it's up to you and Brian and you, Tony, to bring a bit of energy and give them permission to relax, permission to be funny, permission to kind of get out of their comfort zone. Um, But, I mean, like, you know, I'll do things like for the smokers. I go, okay, so smokers, if there's any, like, housekeeping goes, any smokers, and I will have looked up beforehand the streets around the building and I'm yeah. going, okay, so smokers, all you have to do is you just go straight down the stairs, go outside through the, you know, uh, foyer, out, turn left, keep going down there. And if you turn around the corner, you'll see a little enclave there with cigarette butts all over the floor. Not there. Keep going. <laughs> the bus, and I make them go all the way really far until finally they're on a plane. And I don't want to make fun of any other country except my own, which would be France. And I say, go to France and you'll be able to find there a couple of cafes where you're still allowed to smoke. (laughs) You know, coming back, I can't guarantee it'll be as quick. And I do a big, long thing. Then I go, now, vapors. You know, so that's sort of. That's a good one. That's that's exactly the one that I was thinking of. I remember you telling me, because I do do too, you know, and now smokers, you know, uh, we've got uh, smoking uh, sections. We've got one in Ballarat, there's one in (laughs) Castlemaine. I think we've got one in Bendigo. So, you know, you do, I mean, you do work out those little tricks. I tend to, one of the things that I've, well, I haven't started to do it. I did warm-ups for years and years, TV warm-ups, you know, the panel, Thank God You're Here, Sean McAuliffe, Lano and Woodley. And I started meeting the audience in the foyer. And then the more time I spent with them in the foyer, you know, before they came in, in fact, I, I remember doing it for you, Tony, at uh, Channel 7, and I would be out in that foyer. Then I started going out onto the street. Then I started uh, actually opening car doors for people. <laughs> and they thought it was wonderful, mostly. And because I'd had a bit of notoriety from Hey Hey at Saturday or, or Rock Wiz in the early days, the, you know, they do, oh, that's that guy. Yeah. And so now for every corporate gig I do, I meet the people when they're arriving. So often it's a drag because it means I've got to be there an hour early, but you're invariably there to do a sound check and work out the microphones. But I go, 
I go to the stairs where they're coming up. I go into the foyer and I muck around with them. And with look, a microphone? No, 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 Just absolutely high. no. With individual people, I'm not trying to talk to the whole group. But of course, they look around and they go, "Wow, that's that guy," and he's out here chatting. And they see people laughing and they think, "Oh, he must be hilarious," when I may not be. And they love it, but what it means is that I've sort of warmed them up a bit. I've warmed up, yes. and then I've found the troublemakers. I've found the 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 hilarious ones. I've found the ones to avoid, mm. and um, it's a lot of work, but it really helps. It and the off. other the other thing I learned from uh, doing warm ups, and it sort of helps with MC work, is that you are there to provide the foreplay. It can be very, very exciting foreplay, but you are always ready to hand over the orgasm. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and so... Hey, Tony, and, if you get nothing else out of this... This, this is our... This that's, 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 for, is, that's the pull-out quote. Finally, I'm going to have a little Instagram audio grab, which yes. I, I, I rarely get around to doing, but, you, but you've given me one, it's Brian. Yours. Thank you. What about becoming this person? So... Who's I'm looking at my son Jack actually who loves you too and he he oh, loves yeah. this so once the birthdays are happening at our house yes he's like and now let's hear from Mum Tamsin Wilson about what you think of birthday boy Harry and he he runs the birthday right so it's very cute but he's a he's a born MC so is there can you have a is there a little moment in your lives where you're going oh I'm going down that road I I like the microphone I like the well this sort of life I suppose so I mean I think for me having spent three years as a teacher <laughs> and then a year off traveling and working at the last laugh for six months as a waiter and then teaching for another three years I don't think I could have done let the blood run free or Raymond J or, or Rockwiz without having spent six years in the classroom because I think it's an incredible grounding. It's an incredible training ground to learn intuitively mm. how to how to fire up a mob, how to retain their attention yeah. and how to sparkle and how to seduce. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Waitressing as well. I waitressed many years and lots of improv as well. But I do remember once uh, I, was, I had to make a speech at my friend's uh, wedding and it was, I hadn't done many, maybe a 21st, and I hadn't done a lot, didn't do debating at school, no one really knew I was interested. And I really put a lot into it. You know, we, we'd gone up, grown up through high school together. I, did, I knew I should do something about the parents. I knew I should do about, anyway, she comes up to me at the wedding and goes, you go first. And I said, oh, look, I don't reckon, I mean, I'm not, no tickets on myself, but I, I think it's a pretty good speech and I think I should go last because I think, I mean, I'm a performer, I'm a VCA, I'm training as an actor and so I think I should probably keep just going, no, 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 you go first because our best man who's emceeing, he's going to do a speech and he's a bit nervous, so I think you should go first just to, I went, okay, so the MC starts and he's not great, this best man. He's not great. He's, he's, he's fine. But it's like he feels he's a bit at a 21st and you're going, mm, no, it's a wedding and it's a really big venue that's very expensive. It was, a, it was almost a society wedding, almost. Anyway, he invites me up and I absolutely blitz it. And, I mean, I say that in all good humility, but honestly I, I had them laughing and I had them crying. Yeah. And I had them reflective and I said the lovely things and I said the funny things I said the silly things. And, it, 
and the audience were in love. Yeah. And he has to get up. Oh. And he did a playbook 21st speech, like to the point where referring to the bride and ex-partners and, and you're kind of going, stop, 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 stop. It was yeah. too late. It was too late. So that was one big gig I remember going, hmm, that's something to learn from. But also um, we used to play theatre sports at Belvoir Street uh, every Sunday night uh, on whoever's stage was there. So whatever show would be on, it could be The Alchemist or it could be, you know, with Hugo Weaving or whatever, and then they'd do a 5 o'clock Sunday show and then they'd all go home and so the theatre was dark and free. And so theatre sports used to play there and then one set of nine weeks theatre sports couldn't play. So a couple of people put together a show with only six of us called The Impro Club and we all took turns in emceeing and the guy running it made me emcee twice. And I remember thinking the first time I did it, oh, this fits, this is, this is good, I can do this. And then when I did it a second time, I thought this really fits. And it's not like I I didn't do any rock with stuff for another 20 years or 15 years, but, yeah, to be given the opportunity is always the way to kind of go, come on, you get up. And, and that's why we should always help people forward. We should always encourage them to try something new in case, bang, they get it, you know. But I, I also think, sorry, Tony, I also think it's doing it over and over and over. You know, what's that line about you've got to do 10,000 hours? Well, maybe you've got to do 10,000 yeah. gigs and maybe a lot of them are horrendous and you learn. And as I said before, it's intuitive. It's you don't have to. Th- it's an unconscious knowledge of I won't go there. I'll go there. Look, you blow it sometimes and the room is bad or the sound's dreadful, but you learn by just doing it over and over and over. And sometimes you don't learn. Sometimes you do an event like the Advertising Industry Awards in Sydney and you go, I'll never do that again, and you find yourself doing it two years later because you didn't quite read the email properly. And uh, you're back and going, oh, that's right. You people are assholes. <laughs> you pretend you don't like the awards, but you sort of love them. And then only three people or two people win up, end up winning everything. So, of course, you're disengaged. And I literally had a woman at one point, not my fault we started late. They started late because of a whole bunch of other things. But I get up there, I'm going as fast as I can. And this woman walked down to the stage in front of everyone. She was an organiser and did the hurry up sign in mine. Like really, obviously, like you know, can you just move this along? Yes. The fingers, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, they can see you from behind, and from behind, it looks like I'm a bit shit at my job, and you're making me go faster. Anyway, at the end of the night, I told her, and I said, I really would highly recommend you don't do that because it made me look a little bit crap. And she's like, Oh, sorry, but we just really had to hurry up. I said, Yes, I know, I know, but there were plenty of breaks. You could hand me a bit of paper. A million things you could have done. Oh, oh, I'll share you my bad one. I was, I was doing Queenstown down in Tassie. Yes. Remember the famous gravel football yeah. oval? Yes. There's no grass on it. It's just gravel. And we were at that venue um, in the club rooms, which was sort of Bay Marie and Bar. Yeah. And it was the it was the miners. It was the zinc miners. And it was I got two jobs. So it was one shift one week and one shift the next week. And they should have had Mick Malloy or a stand-up or someone who can just 
slay them. Whereas yeah. I'm sitting there trying to do – the first joke I did was saying we're trying to get pregnant at the moment and I've got to take zinc supplements and you guys have got plenty of it and I licked <laughs> some zinc ore and I thought that that's just really funny. Like, Isn't that great? Yeah. Nothing. Like, but all talk and, – and a woman came up to me at the end of my first, first week. I've still got a whole another week <laughs> of this to go and said, why should we give a fuck about your life? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And then I had to, it was a three hours across from Hobart to Queenstown or whatever, and I'm doing the yeah. drive the next oh. week, <laughs> white knuckled, going. This is <laughs> oh my god! But I mean, but I mean, it's it's actually a very very prescient question. I mean, really, you're getting up there and you're going, I, why should you watch me for the next three hours? I mean, it's yes. a really good point, or two hours, whatever it is. And I think it delves into every performer's psyche that yeah. sometimes you go, "Am I that interesting? What am I going to say?" I mean, even at a comedy festival, it's like they'll have seen six shows that week or ten shows or whatever, and what's going to kind of hold their attention? I don't know. But as an MC, you could organise. You're in charge. You wasn't yes. going to, you know. Yes, I mean that's a comedy. Th- comedy is very, very difficult for so many reasons. But one of the basic reasons I think is that. When you tell a joke, and it's very clear to an audience that what you're saying you think is funny. Now, if they don't laugh, mm. it's not like the end of a song where you f- you finish a song, you know, ba 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 ba, and the audience just sort of starts clapping. If you do a joke that doesn't quite work, it's really awkward and everyone's just looking at you and looking at each other and they're all whispering, he thought that was funny. Yeah, Have you got so- something that you do there? Uh, or do you, do you write it out? I just got... try and move on. I try and make sure that the standard pieces that I have do work. They're road tested. I mean, look, you know, I will put my hand up and say that I do tend to, I've got, a reasonable amount of material that I do over and over and over. I hope that I can do it at such a, a way that it feels fresh, but th- these are tried and tested. And I don't know, I think you Give just, us your most tried and tested. Oh, Go look, on. <laughs> well, there's probably Julia's heard them. I mean, Go on, some Julia. Of those, what's um, what's well, his favourite? Well, those- my, my favourite is he gets up and wherever we might be, he'll talk about um, whatever room we're in and he'll give some weird history about where the building's from and it actually came out from boats from England on little boats, little boats with little people bringing it out and it built it. And now, as usual, of course, we must all sing the song of the wherever we are, you know, whatever the theatre we're in and he gets everyone to hold hands which is always great because men never want to hold hands and then they do and then you go oh, that's nice to see someone two men experimenting that's lovely and they finally hold hands and then he does the hey everyone has to repeat it and look it it's fucking hilarious every time <laughs> It, it, it's pretty, yeah. I mean, I did do it re- quite recently and there were a lot of blokes in high-vis gear who refused to <laughs> hold hands. So that was a little bit awkward. But the, some of those true or falses are pretty, you know, I think Kenny Connor wrote this one, uh, Tony. I'll try it out on you. True or false, Tom Jones and classical composer Claude Debussy have released a 12-inch single called What's New Debussy Cat? <laughs> uh, it's pretty rare. Well, yeah, what do you think? Sorry. True. True. Uh, false. But the thing, too, is that there really is a difference between 
You know, when you MC something, unless you're known for your comedy, unless you're, you know, you get up there and they're expecting Dave Hughes or Will Anderson or Claire Hooper, they know that they're a stand-up. So they know that part of their MCing will involve bits of comedy or that comedian will do a stand-up 10, 20 minutes in a, in a long night. With an MC, you don't, you, they don't expect you to be funny, but they do expect you to move things along and keep things moving. That's my that's always the mantra I get, please keep things moving. So I'm really quick to start with, get the night going, and then what time you've got left is what you'll kind of enjoy milking and mucking around with. But oh, so many things can go wrong. Yeah. Well, I saw um, one of the best MC performances I've seen in recent times was Claire Hooper, and she was oh. emceeing the the funeral celebration of life for Cal Wilson. Which wasn't was, she great? It was wasn't We were all there. All three of us were there. And there was... The first line that she pulled out, they'd, they'd, they'd sung this this song that was a birdhouse in your soul and it had been done by Tripod and it actually brought the tears for me because uh, it's one of my favourite songs. And, and her first line out of that was, that is not that is not the only song we will be ruining for you this <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. And it's true, all, this, all the music that was played was so beautiful and the association, I've been going yeah. back to these songs and the yes. association now, it's a Cal Wilson's funeral song yeah. forevermore. This is the thing, you know, UMC, I emceed my friend's uh, husband's funeral and my dad's funeral. And, you know, I remember with my with both of them, I remember thinking it's a gig. And I mean that in the most generous sense in that I really have to keep my shit together because I'm doing this for a whole bunch of people. And with the dad, with my dad's one, even that, I was like, oh, I'm going to get through this thing. And then at one point I played a Jacques Brel song. And I wanted people to kind of understand the words, so I, I read out the words of it in English so that when they heard it in French, at least they knew what the song was about, and that's when I lost it and kind of kind of had to regroup. But I sometimes think there's something quite extraordinary about emceeing or hosting a funeral because, ah, oh, it's so um, important. Mm. so important. More than even a wedding sometimes, you know. It's so important. Of course. Uh, Julia and I did the Judith Durham mm. funeral mm. and or service, whatever you like to call it, and I approached that. I knew that we had to be reverent and we had to be serious, but I also knew that there would be certain times when we could be a little cheeky I mean, that was Judith, you know, and she was, she could be cheeky in her own sort of, you know, seeker type way. But I, I try, even if I am comparing an awards night for Dulux Paints or for some lawyers or, or whatever, I do try and find a couple of moments when I can be serious about mm. what is happening in the world. Mm. And people really go, oh, wow, that's beautiful there's heart there's there's soul it's not just flippancy and it's not just you know mucking around the other thing i do invariably it's very rare for me to compare anything without doing a music quiz yeah and music is so powerful it can unite a room and it instantly takes people back to a place and a time when life was wonderful. And yeah. I, I think, you know, that's probably been at the heart of, of Rockwiz happening for 20 years. People love to remember the idyllic world of a first song or a first concert. 
And do you still get nerves beforehand? I mean, obviously, it's a it's an energy. You're both high energy MCs. It's not sort of a, a deadpan performance. I know some MCs go down that road, um, but you guys go with high energy and bringing the kind of laughs. I guess. Do you have to psych yourself up and and get yourself going? Um, no. I, well, I feel like the occasion does it for me and I'm instantly you know you go out into the Enmore Theatre or the Palais Theatre or wherever and there's a thousand people and they're all very excited because they've walked in and they see the desks and they see the curtain and the chandelier and they're taken to a whole other place because they think I'm in my favourite TV show or you know one of my favourites so that really helps i don't tend to get i get nervous if i'm not confident with with my material mm. um but no i not really julia yeah. yeah well you've just i mean it's a job too you've got to turn up you've just got to be in the mood you've got to get into the mood and yes. i'm chatting to crew backstage chatting to people not always the organizers they can be a bit stressed but chatting to crew you can calm down a little bit and then you've basically got to go showtime and off you go and do you normally prepare your first lines or is that something you always try to almost gather in that hour beforehand, your first observational line? Often, and I think often it's trust. It's it's yeah. trusting that something will come up and the experience and the knowledge means that you, as I said before, intuitively, you won't choose to go down path A, B or C. You'll You'll go down path D and that's going to be the right one for the room. Yeah. Well, I've seen you both MC on many occasions, but a very big favourite of ours was the Good Friday show this year. And this was a this was a birthday present from my yeah. sister to, to her nephew, Jack, my son. Yes. And Jack, massive Rockwiz fan, watches as much as he can on the DVDs and on YouTube, and yes. hey, what's that voice I hear? We somehow prized him out of post lunch at primary school, grade six. And Jack, you're joining us. Hello, uh, hello, hello, Jack. How are you? What sort of a day are you having? Good day, excellent. Well, we're so happy to see you. And and Jack, I've told Julia. And Brian, that you love emceeing our birthdays and stuff. Could you give an intro to this episode of Speak Ola? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brian and Curtis and Julia Samira with Tony Wilson. Yeah, oh, wow. good stuff. Good intro. Oh, guess what? And Jack actually said my name correctly, unlike Brian, who said it incorrectly for at least the first three years of the I know. <laughs> Apologies for what that. What did you call it? I think it was Zamero. Zamero. So thank you, Jack. Yes. You've got it absolutely correct first time. And Jack, do, what do Julia and, and Brian always ask their guests on Rock Quiz about the first? What was the first concert you ever went to? Brian, you go first. The first concert I ever went to, Jack, was in a scout hall in Buchanan Avenue, North Baldwin, and I walked in with my friend Warren Higgs and MPD were playing. MPD, of course, stands for Mike, Pete and Danny, and the Mike was Mike Brady, 
And I'll never forget those guitars and those boots and those that spirit of rock and roll. I was eight years old. Mike Brady, future, not yet famous no. and rich for up there. That's Cazale. right. <laughs> what about you? Oh, sorry, Jack. Any, Jack? Yeah, Jack. What about you, Julia? What was the first concert you ever went to? Thank you so much for asking, my darling Jack. Well, I was 10. And I went to the Sydney Cricket Ground with my mum. Wow. Yeah, I know. Went to the Sydney Cricket Ground with my mum and two friends to see the Swedish supergroup ABBA. Oh, yeah. ABBA. ABBA. Thank you. Wow. I know. Thank you. You're impressed? So was I. It was amazing. And one of the friends I went with lost his ticket on the way and we had to go back and find it and we found it on the road. It was like a miracle. And uh, so we got there a little bit late, but um, I loved it. It was incredibly exciting and incredibly just great dancing. I'd never danced and sung at the same time before in a crowd. It was very exciting. Um, this is for what? Have you got another question, Jack, you want to ask? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one is for you, Brian. When and where was your first MC gig? Wow, that is a very good question. It may have been when I was at the last laugh in Melbourne and I got up and I did a few poems and there was a woman in the audience who worked for Channel 9 and she said, we've got a brand new segment on Hey Hey It's Saturday called Red Faces And so I went on, I did my poem and they liked it. Red tried to gong me off, but I refused to be gonged. (laughs) And after that, I was invited to to compare a buck's turn. Do you know what a buck's turn is, Jack? It's a whole lot of blokes who get together to uh, celebrate one of their fellows who's about to get married. Anyway, it was at the uh, Pier Hotel in Frankston and I had to be escorted out through the kitchen because they wanted me to stop and they were going to carry me out the other way, but I got escorted out the kitchen. They didn't like poetry. Oh, oh, no. Oh, that, that, that's a bit rough. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and, Jack, you're going, to, you're going to take over my job, I think. Have you got another, another question? One for Julia. You got one for Julia? When did you start doing your show, What Quiz? Thank you, Jack. Excellent question from you. Brian, is it 2005? It was it was uh, November two thousand and four. We filmed we filmed uh, two episodes at the Gershwin Room, and then they went to air the next February. There you go. So it's been a love. It was a long time ago. We've done we did about two hundred episodes or more on TV and countless episodes live on stage. Which is your favourite, Jack? Have you got a favourite Rock Whiz episode? The cheeses of Mazarus. <laughs> so, so, so this is funny. that was again. a funny joke. Samira, when did you think of that? Right, well, Jack, I'm going to have to confess to you that I did not make that up in my own head. I didn't improvise that. 
even though Brian and I are very funny people, we also have some writers, one in particular, his name's Michael. I think it was a Michael one. I think it was a Michael Ward, yes. yes. And he came up with, uh, can you repeat the question, Brian, you had it? It is what? True or false, there is a fromagerie in Nazareth called Cheeses of Nazareth. And of course, there we well, there's a Nazareth. We were thinking of Nazareth in America as well, but um, yeah, a fromagerie is a French word for cheeses for cheese shop. And of course, and, false. and of false? course, no, no, it's true. Oh, it's true. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part of it. There is a cheese shop. There is a fromagerie called Cheeses of Nazareth. What? what what's a fromagerie? Fromagerie, it's a French word, Jack, and I can help you with that because that's uh, it's my it's where I was born. A fromagerie is the French word for cheese shop. And so when we say what cheese shop might have had a title called Cheeses of Nazareth, it kind of helps you get into the gag. But, um, yeah, it, it was true and we were delighted that that was true because people, most people I think said false. Yes, that's right. And, Jack, you have listened. We we. Illegally recorded the show on my phone. Oh, good on you! So that we could just listen to it over and over again, Jack. Didn't we? But what's your other favourite bits from that show? Have you got a favourite Brian bit? Full cream ahead. <laughs> good work, Jack. Now you go. Tell me more. What what led up to full cream ahead? Full steam ahead. That's yeah. right. I oh, think man. I think it was a record by the Dairy Brothers. Wow. Dairy Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> the Dairy Brothers. Full cream ahead. Um, have you heard of a band called the Dairy Brothers Brian? Yes, I have. They're I think they're from Adelaide. I think they're they're a bit like the Beards. Have you heard about the Beards? No. Well, they're another band who who they they sort of perform novelty songs like Full Cream Ahead and the Beards. Um, what was their one that they performed with Kate Miller Heidke? Oh, um, I'm, I, can't I'm, I mean, Reese could be part of the Beards. I know. I've, yeah. I've seen the beards live and they are fantastic. There you go. There you go. That, that's Reese Jack's I'm, I'm, aide I'm there who's, who's teed him up at school. Hey, Jack, you yeah. love, well, they're not really novelty, but they're comedy and I think they're great music as well. But who's your favourite New Zealand band that are in that area? Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Yes. Now, it's, there's some songs that we have to turn down when we're on the train and stuff because. They're not appropriate, isn't it? Which, which ones? Which one do you particularly find funny that that isn't really good for twelve-year-olds? Ian and Diana. Ian and Diana, yeah. What's the line that we that you like the best in that one? The Jermaine line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the line, Jack? Uh, you don't want to say it. We won't mind, and sometimes. <laughs> Maybe we are on the train. Yeah. Don't. No, don't want it, fair enough. Come on, my darling. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, you, <laughs> you're protecting our ears. Do you know, I also thought Jack's asked what would he ever qualify to be a, a, a contestant on Rock Wiz, and I said that Jack's 
knowledge for his age, 12, is probably as good as any kid in terms of rock music. And I thought maybe Brian and Julia would ask three or four questions to Jack to see if he gets them right. From from really the history of rock, he's not bad generally. Are you ready, Jack? Look at this, Jack. I've got a, a page here of Rockwiz questions. Would you like me to start off with a true or false question? Yeah. All right. True or false, suffering blurred vision, Tim Finn once bumped into a member of Skyhooks and later wrote the lyric, I see red, I see red, I see red. <laughs> um... Um, don't know. Have a guess. Well, there's a, you've got 50-50. True or false? True or false? True or false? You go That's, with one. Yeah, you got to pick one. So you've, you've seen Neil, true. you've seen Tim, what, say it again. True. Or. <laughs> you've seen Tim false. Finn. False is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Tim Finn live, Jack? Yes. Where? Lost Lands. Wow. He was great at Werribee Mansion, wasn't he? He played yeah. I, I See Red. Yeah. Uh, can I ask question? Jack, I reckon if you got on Rockwiz, Julia would come out and she'd probably ask you uh, a question maybe about your first concert, Julia. So, um, oh, hi, hi, everybody. Welcome to Rock Wiz. And um, we've spoken to some fantastic contestants this evening. But, hey, everybody, give it up for Jack. Now, Jack, everybody here would love to know, what was the first concert you ever went to? Bruce Springsteen. What? What? Wow. Oh, there'd be claps for that. And I'd say, now, Bruce Springsteen, wow, I mean, what do you remember of that concert, Jack? What's one of the big memories you've got? Um, I remember one memory of when Dad was carrying me on my back. You were on my back, weren't you? Dancing. Dancing? Wow. What, what song, Jack? American Man. That's um. a- that's a great song. Do you know that song, Brian? I do, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And we actually have audio of Jack hearing the first few bars of American Man. It was his favourite song at the time. Right. And it's so beautiful. He was You were cheering, Jack, with a woo and you were in a backpack <laughs> on the back of my shoulders. And, you know, the security guard said to me, you can't take that in. And I said, oh, well, you won't be able to see the show. And a very nice security guard at... Eddie had let us take the backpack in, didn't he? Because Jack's got cerebral palsy, so he, he needed to be supported. Yeah. Hey, woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! It's Stephen Van Sant,
Dad, it was not at Eddie Hat. What was it at? Amy. Amy. Oh, it oh, was too. Hey, Jack, should I ask your dad a question from my yeah. uh, my Rockwiz uh, question sheet here? Yeah. Okay. What should this song be and can you sing it? So I'll give you a false lyric. I'll give you a misheard lyric. Bob, 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 Bob or Anne? Ba, 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 Baran. Ba, 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 Baran. Ba, ba, Do you know that one, Jack? Barbarin. Oh, you got the falsetto. Yeah. Well done. What's the next line of it? You're oh, in my hand. That'll You're do. You're rocking a roll and yeah. rocking a ribbon. That'll do. How many points should we give him for that, Jack? How many points? 100. Wow. <laughs> what? Jeez. Jack, who's, who's the lead singer of the Beach Boys, Jack? Do you know? Brian Wilson. Oh. No way. way. What's your favourite Beach Boys song, Jack? Don't know. It's <laughs> too many. It's too I, many. I thought it'd be good vibrations. Yeah. Yeah. Good vibrations. You can ask him any lead singers of any band. Really? Yeah. Ask him. And Jack, what about who's the lead singer of the Rolling Stones? Mick Jagger. Is absolutely correct. Here's a tricky one. Who's the lead singer of the Beatles? Hmm. It could be two. Trick question. Paul McCartney. Yes. Yes. Jack, who's the lead singer of Led Zeppelin? Robert. Robert Plant. <laughs> you on first name basis, are you? Just Robert to his <laughs> friends. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's have good. You, have you actually met Robert, Brian and Julia? No. I haven't, I'm afraid. No. I haven't. Has either of you ever been in a band? Well... I've pretended to sing out the front of a couple, but no, I've never been in a band really. That's why I love watching all the amazing people that we get on Rockwiz. I just stand there backstage looking at them from the side where, of stage. And think, where, where do you talk to, to them from, backstage or on stage? A little bit of both. Sometimes I talk to them backstage because they're nervous, Jack. Sometimes the musicians are actually not nervous about singing their song, but they're nervous about answering the questions, actually. And I say to them, relax, remember, work with your team. You've got two other people who know a lot as well and you'll be fine. And then when they come on stage, I talk to them on stage as well. We love the bit where we saw the backstage on the DVD where they were singing different drum, don't we, Jack? Remember that? Was it before Toowoomba? Yes. Yeah, well done. Absolutely right. That was the 2010 tour.
Jack, yeah. I was in a bedroom band once called Full House <laughs> and we realised that it was a silly name because you'd put the sign up outside the venue, Full House, and no one would come in. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dad. Yeah? Have you, has Blind Name Curvis ever been on a podcast on his own? This is a great opportunity for Brian to talk about a new podcast well, that he's hosting. That's true. I, that thank you, Tony Wilson. I do have my own podcast that I do with a friend of mine who's an opera singer called David Hobson, and we call it Bigger Than the Both of Us. That's a funny name. <laughs> well, we tried to find a name that I suppose we were thinking about. You know, artists, writers. Uh, performers creating something that ends up being bigger and more important than than the the people. I think that was our theory. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't have my own podcast, Jack, but that's all right. There's plenty out there. It's a good thing you're on a podcast with me. <laughs> <laughs> Is I this know. now your show, Jack? Is it a full takeover? Has happened. Yeah. Hey, you used to do the ads, didn't you, on? So people who go back to the early episodes of Speak Ola would right. have heard, uh, He's Jack's now 12 years old, but there's nine-year-old Jack in lockdown oh. doing, what sort of ads did you used to do, Jack? Green skin and purple skin avocados. Oh, delicious. <laughs> you did. Could you say that one again, please, Jack, or could you do the ad for me? Do the ad. I don't remember. Oh, you just say anything time. about the avocados. You just say whatever, just say... If you're choosing avocados, go to green skin and purple skin avocados. Did you get that, Julia? I did, my darling. Correct. I'm. I'm a, I mean, I'm getting. I'm going to get in the car right now and go and buy some. <laughs> That's how it works. So this has been pretty exciting. We loved the Good Friday show and oh. have listened to it a lot of times. We're going to go next year, Jack. Yeah. I reckon we can. I reckon we'll say that there's a couple of tickets on the door yes. for Jack and Tony. We had some nervous moments going in. Jack doesn't love amplified sound, and so you're a bit nervous, weren't you, Jack, going in? Yep. But but we got over the nerves, and Brian actually was speaking to the audience, choosing yeah. his contestants, and when we heard his voice from outside in the uh, foyer, that was that's that's when you started to calm down, wasn't it, Jack? Yeah, even even when I heard Brian speaking into a very loud microphone. Yeah. yeah, I think I had a megaphone and I was going up and down the escalators. And Jack, <laughs> do you remember, because you'd been quite upset and nervous and we went in and listened to Brian and we were calming down, but then the show proper began and the lights went black and that show started with a one plucking string of a guitar and this sort of beautiful yes. five-minute tribute yeah. to Renee Geyer. Shane O'Mara. And I kept waiting for you, Jack, to go, I want to go <laughs> loudly, <laughs> loudly over the Shane O'Mara plucked guitar oh. string. It would have been a shame. <laughs> a shame for Shane, yeah. But well done, Jack. You were, you were able to, um, what, um, face your fear... And overcome it. Is that is that what you call it? 
Well, Jack, thanks so much for coming and joining our chat. What a chat it's been. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to some of the best MCs in Australia. Bookable through, oh, yes. Brian, where? Um, gee. Everywhere. Uh, yeah, everywhere. You'll find a phone number. You'll find an email address. And Julia, do you have a... I've got an agent. Her name's Lisa Mann. You could get in touch with her. I used to finish the show by saying, well, um, if you enjoyed what you saw here tonight, please, please, please go and tell every single person that you know. And if you didn't, well, a little bit of shush because nobody likes the winter. Good night. That's a good one. And that's a wrap. Great chat with Julia and Brian. And as I mentioned at the outset, there are a couple of extra Jack questions that he asked them. A few of them were very good, like how do you keep guests to time and what's been your greatest MC gig? And I didn't fit those into the already one-hour-long podcast, but if you want to listen to that audio, I'll put it up at news.speakola.com or in the subscriber-only part of the Patreon feed, um, patreon.com forward slash speakola. So you can hear that there. I have been a little less regular on the posting of episodes, and I apologize for that. It is just me running Speakola, and it's also just me trying to get a documentary film finished. Pushkas in Australia, working title. We are raising money for that. I need $200,000 to clear the copyright, and I've been putting on a producer's hat for the last six months, raising money, rattling tins. And again, if you go to Goodwin Wilson and see any of the posts about Pushkas in Australia, you can see what we're up to with our footy film. Trying to get it out while Ange Postacoglu is still hot. It is Best Speeches of the Year time, and I'll put up a little audio of the radio show that I recorded at Triple R. Been doing that for the last few years on the grapevine. We call them the Speak Olies, the Speeches of the Year, and, and I'll post the selections that I made. I'd, I'd also love to hear what you think are the Speeches of the Year. Send me a note and a link even, or audio or text. Or it might be a world-famous speech, one related to conflicts around the world or election cycles, or it might have been one that you just saw in the wild as a member of the public, as a friend or family member. Love receiving those. So... Tony at TonyWilson.com. I don't have a speech of the week this week. Two guests, both MCs, and as great as some MCs are, the material's often quite of the moment and disposable. And I thought I'd rather have the questions and the chat than an extended speech of the week. So we're rounding it out here. It's just me sitting on my bed next to new puppy Marlo. Marlo is a healer. Kelpie Cross, and we have quite a cluttered house. Marlow is a bit of a chewer, and he is currently con Marlowing the house. Basically, Marlow decides if there are any items in the house that aren't bringing us joy, and he chews them up. And as a result, we are clearing things out. So, thank you, beautiful little Marlow. I'm going to write that up as a story on Good One Wilson, my personal writing blog. You can sign up and subscribe, goodonewilson.substack.com. And I also have a Speakola newsletter and could promote it myself, but might leave it to the pros.
I tell you what, if you're out there listening to this incredible podcast, and I speak of Speakola, you will need to, you should subscribe. And subscribing is extremely easy. That's what Dad always tells me. Yeah. And and how do they subscribe, Jack? Go to speakola.com. Perfect. Or news.speakola.com. Thank you so much, Brian Nankervis, Julia Zamiro. You are both national treasures. And Jack and myself had such fun recording that episode. I hope listeners enjoyed it as well. You can support and sign up at news.speakola.com or go to speakola.com and find your favourite speech and there'll be a pop-up. And you can just sign in there and uh, I'll add your name to the mailing list. Email about once a week or twice a week. And some of the posts are for paid subscribers only, and certainly the full archive is for paid subscribers. But there are a lot of posts for free subscribers as well, so I'd love to have you on board. Thank you, David Bridie, for my theme music and thoughts with David Bridie. Lost his mum over the last few weeks, one of Australia's great musicians, doing the music for our Pushkas documentary. In fact, done the music for our Pushkas documentary. It has been inserted into the film and it's brilliant as always. Condolences, David. Thank you for listening. Hopefully got some MC tips out of this. Hopefully you'll book one of the four of us. Jack's probably the most affordable. Have a great festive season. See you next time. Yeah. Did you record the whole episode? Or? Yeah, yeah. I can play it for you when we get home. It's t- 25 golden minutes, Jack. Yes, all gold, <laughs> And Jack. then we can tighten it up for when we put it out.